The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined today by a real friend of the show, a legitimate friend in real life, one of the most talented people that uh, that works in this industry, and uh, somebody who hopefully his internet connection works this time. Uh, <laughs> Sabrina Merchant of The Athletic, thank you very much for hopping on. And uh, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Just imagine how good I could be at this job if I had successful internet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, sometimes a mechanic is only as good as their tools. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if your internet isn't great, then, uh, that, that does kind of set you back a little bit. Um, I want to start this conversation as, as Callie chimes in from outside. Um, I want to start this conversation by wondering, you know, genuinely wondering how nice it is to just be able to walk away when the Lakers piss you off. Like, is it, is it just, is it just the delight of your life that like you could just turn off a Laker game if you feel like it, ignore one completely. So you do a lot of all access with Raj, right? Um, he is constantly texting me during Laker games, asking about specific decisions. Like, why did him do this? You know, do you think we should have been playing zone here? Like, what was the coverage here? And 80% of the time I have to be like, Raj, I'm not watching. <laughs> it's already gotten too bad. <laughs> Do you try so to watch every game still, or do you do you like find yourself like, eh, that matchup? They're probably this is so a the, letdown game. It's just gonna the win. home games. I tend to watch because otherwise, mm -hmm. um, if they're like four, you know, five o'clock starts on Pacific time, then there's probably another college game that I'm watching at the time. Uh, but most of the time, there aren't college games at like seven seven thirty that I'm interested in. So uh, I would say I attempt to watch half of the Laker games live, <laughs> and. How many of those I finish is a different story. Sometimes I go back and rewatch. Like, fun fact, I, I actually did rewatch the entire Lakers Warriors game. And Raj was texting me the whole time as I was rewatching it. Okay. <laughs> Knew exactly what hear? was happening. Did you get here? Did you? <laughs> That's so perfect. <laughs> um, that, was, that was a really fun experience, actually. Uh, but yeah, I had, I had higher expectations for this season. And I'm still confused as to all what went down. Um, I do have a couple of questions for you, actually, given that you've oh, been gosh. just locked into, you know, everything that's been yeah. happening. Um, I'm just more confused than anything as to what has transpired over the last few months. Well, hopefully I'll be able to clear that up. And that mm -hmm. that is a, a fun uh, exercise that we can conduct or an experiment that we can conduct. You asking me questions and me trying to inform you on stuff. I, I don't Should we just think do that now, actually? Good. I think that's going to inform a lot um, of what comes well, later. Well, I wanted to say, I wanted to say it's great that you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's, it's great that you mentioned Raj, 
because your guys' show previously was I Love Basketball, which then I believe became I Loathe Basketball because of the way that season went. The 21-22 um, season, yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and and I think it's a, it's, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of bring some of that branding back for this episode. And um, a part of what made that 21-22 that season so frustrating was like how predictable every kind of rest stop was and every gas station that you hit along that that really long car ride with you know with like an annoying little brother who's just like pestering and pestering are we there yet are we there yet like we are currently on that car ride right now stuck in this car for the next 27 hours or whatever it is and um we have reached the portion of that car ride which features um the subtweet he's back <laughs> the subtweet is back like we have, we we have reached it it has happened um he tweeted an hourglass uh last night i'm not night gonna lie that was very funny <laughs> <laughs> uh he is uh he's I, like look I, we've even had dave mcminiman quote tweet him with the potential meanings of the hourglass um not listed was that potentially like he just saw a picture of of his wife right and like that to me is like when when I see Jen, I'm like, hey, hourglass tweet, sweet. And and but like, no, it was just uh it was just the various frustrations that could be going on and running across his mind in that moment. Um this morning he did tweet out that he is now a DraftKings partner. So maybe he was just counting down the seconds or the grains of sand in that hourglass to be able to make that announcement formally. But somehow I don't think that's what it was. I don't I, I, I somehow I think it was a a a nice and uh quick reminder to those in charge of the Lakers. Hey guys, I'm gonna be 40 next year. Like this year, everybody. Actually. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, this year, next season, I mean. Like I'm gonna yeah. be playing basketball at hopefully really high level again when I am 40 years old. Can we please stop effing around here? Um so was that like, again, genuinely asking you this, when something like that happens, how nice is it to just be like, ah, those idiots, and then just walk away? I wish I could say I was enjoying the Laker fan experience a little bit more, you know, without having to be super invested in it. But nothing about this is enjoyable. Uh, even <laughs> getting to step away, like, that's that's not why I'm in, you know, the fandom experience, right? Like I'm a Laker fan because it's just it's been a part of my life for my entire existence, right? Like I would like to have more positive associations with this team and just because sure I'm not bound to watch the entirety of a just desultory game against the Atlanta Hawks, uh it doesn't make it any more pleasant, you know. Like I would like to have this more again, positive thing in my life that's missing and has been missing since what, December 7th, the final of the in-season tournament. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'd i say it's probably like more emotionally healthy to step away. Uh, <laughs> but I do kind of, you know, miss all of the little ins and outs uh, that I was like just a sicko about getting into. But um, no, no, nothing about this is enjoyable. Like the fact that I can step away is, it just means that like there's a bad product on the floor. <laughs> like that's all that it means. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, it's not yeah usually when you make that choice to step away it's generally to like preserve your mental health and stuff mm -hmm. and that generally doesn't mean that that your favorite team is doing very well and um it you know what this latest subtweet made me miss like really actually miss was the good old days at silver screen and roll where like our slack would light up and we would just riff for like a good hour or two about it mm -hmm. um back in its heyday and and no, now that like now that we have all kind of gone our separate ways, uh, you know, you, I'm left to just kind of experience that on my own. And, you know, I'll text uh, Harrison and I'll laugh with him about it and maybe we'll drop it in the, the Lakers lounge slack and we'll 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 joke about it there. Um, or I'll get texts about it from a variety of of various people who I've been talking to all season. Yes. Well, yeah, from the army of 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 people willing to dump on the Lakers this year, um, like it, it's it's just a very different experience. And it was funny last night. I recorded a show in which I said that I thought that firing Darvin Ham would could legitimately turn the season around just like that, right? Yeah, so like trading Russell morning. Westbrook. Yeah, turned that trading Russell Westbrook turned that season around because it was just a very clear there was like a single malady that everything can kind of be charted back to. Not specifically Russell Westbrook, the play.
player or, or, or let alone the person, but the contract and the mm-hmm. bad fit and all of those things. And I think we are reaching that point or we have reached that point there with, with um, Darwin. And usually when I say something extreme like that, um, people close to the Lakers will reach out like, come on, man. Like, can you just tone it down a little bit, you know? But no, instead, since I said that, I've had like a few texts be like, yeah, we all think so too. We're all waiting too. So uh, yeah, I, I would say, uh, see, Sabrina, it, it it is probably, I would love to, to uh, be afforded the luxury of just stepping away occasionally as you have been able to, to preserve my mental health because the last time some people watching saw me, I was wearing Joker makeup. Yeah, um, did your your wife do that? I didn't actually get the whole story behind it. It was uh, it was Jen participated. She okay. was in charge of the hair, and then okay. um, we had a we had some company in. <coughs> excuse me, over the weekend, and um, and it was my daughter's godmother who did that, okay. uh, the face and all of that stuff. And my eye well still done. has yeah. not. Yeah, yeah you did, did mention that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my eye is not recovered still. I think I have like some like particles of flour stuck in my eye permanently now. And uh, but it's all worth it. It is it's all, all worth it. To... Bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but but I wanted to ask you, though, about Darwin and and if you think that firing him could have that same impact that Russell, you know, trading Russell, Russell Westbrook did last year. So first of all, I'm of the belief that uh, in general, coaches matter a lot less than we think they do. Uh, but yeah. uh, I do think that, you know, locker room vibes are just such a tricky balance and a very specific ecosystem that needs to be cultivated. Like everybody has to be in the right mood to perform their best. So if there's somebody that they genuinely dislike, I can see how that would cause difficulties for everyone to, you know, play at their optimum level. Um, I'm just so confused as to how we got to this point. Because last season, you know, we're commending Darwin for holding the locker room together for the first two-thirds of the season and for going to Russ and getting him to come off the bench, which is, you know, the only bullet that he has left, right, in terms of this roster. Like, let's try to stagger Russ and LeBron as much as possible, see if that works. And it doesn't work, but, like, at least he got the buy-in to be able to do that. I thought that was significant that he got the bind to be able to, you know, get Russ to come off the bench. Um, yeah. Then, of course, like, they make the trades. The first lineup with Beasley, you know, as the two is doing fine, but then he makes the decision, to, you know, to move Austin into the starting lineup. The Lakers really roll after that, pushes a lot of the right buttons in the playoffs in terms of how he optimizes Rui and Dennis Schroeder. Um, the Dennis, I'm sorry, the Denver series obviously wasn't a shining example on Darwin's resume, but First time in the conference finals, I don't think it was necessarily his fault that the Lakers lost. Yeah, I think they Denver only had was just four better. Guys. Yeah, yeah, I think Denver was just better. Um, so I thought, you know, the way he performed in his rookie season, I think that's like literally the 99th percentile of what you can expect from a rookie head coach uh, in terms of what he had to deal with and how he, you know, took the tools at his disposal. I realize saying that that there's been like multiple rookie head coaches that have won titles in the last decade, but let's ignore that for a second. They had better rosters than what the Lakers are working with. So we come into this season, you know, uh, he makes, he makes a decision to start Prince at this point. I'm kind of just of the belief that they must have promised Prince a starting spot when they signed him to the biannual. Like this is the only way I can get around it. Uh, Yeah. Why they needed to promise him a starting spot to sign him to the biannual is beyond me. Like maybe you promise that if he's agreeing to a minimum, but this is like two times that money, whatever. That's not the point of this. I've I've been told right that here. isn't the case, but I don't know what it would look like otherwise. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. like the the mo like the the people who have spoken the most definitively about it have said no, that isn't the case. This is just Darwin's decision. But there are people in the organization who are sitting there, like, I mean, what. It, <laughs> What, what? what else could be going on? You know, like, like well, your guess is as good as mine, apparently. Even so, the idea of starting Torian at the start of the season made sense because Vando was hurt, and you're not going to put Cam Reddish into that position right away. Rui's not actually a three, I don't think. Uh, yeah. The wing defense, you know, I, I understand the logic of putting Torian Prince in the starting lineup. Very clearly, he realizes that lineup doesn't, you know, performing as well as the Lakers wanted to, puts Cam Reddish in. I understand you need to keep D'Lo in the starting lineup to optimize his trade value. Like Cam is a worthy flyer in terms of getting a longer defender. Like all of these things I can 
I can get to logically, right? I, right. I'm not sure that they were the exact decisions I would have made, but you know, the Lakers go on that run. They win the in-season tournament title. They play very well in all those games. And this is where my first question to you comes, Anthony. You were reporting that there was discontent in the locker room even as they were playing this well. How do we get there? Like what arrived, you know, like how did we get to that moment where the Lakers are playing well? You know, you'd mm-hmm. think they're obviously Darwin and Austin have well, that's my second question. But how do we get to the point where like even when the Lakers are playing well that they don't yeah. trust their coach? So I still go back to the starting point being that these like that core six guys from last year has not felt like they have gotten proper opportunity to make it work together. It's not that that they don't like like Dorian was mostly hurt. Rui had been born with the concussion, the eye injury. Like it's not even like they had a chance to play those guys, you know? Well, and um, so, but you also had D'Lo stay in the lineup and, and it was Austin who was told to take a seat. Right. And, and that was kind of, right. He was. Yeah. But like, you know, it's, it's just, it, and and I think that uh, especially with how close D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves are, I think they were kind of taken aback by how quickly they moved away from them as a combination. And I think that we have seen recently when they got back into the starting lineup, that kind of light come back to them a little bit. Unfortunately, they're also Point playing with Prince. Dorian Prince and there isn't like a, you know, great perimeter defender among the three of them. And mm-hmm. um, the, the, the defense has really suffered since. But um, I, I really think that that was kind of the starting point there. And, um, you know, one, one consistent criticism that I hear levied uh, by people close to the situation is that Darwin is, for lack of a better term, very close-minded about the type of role players that he wants. And he tries to fit and pigeonhole players into those roles even if they aren't that kind of a player and how he decides on those roles and what he asks of those people in those roles is different player by player and situation by situation. But uh, for whatever reason this year, you've had guys slotted into these spots that they just don't feel like they are equipped to fill those roles. And then it's held against them when they aren't, when they aren't filling those roles. And, and I, I just think um, the the communication I've heard all year has not been where it needs to be uh, from from Darwin to role players. You know, I'm not saying that you got to, you know, open door policies is not really a thing in the NBA, um, but you do have to make yourself somewhat available, especially for the guys who helped get you to the Western Conference finals. And and uh, and yeah, it's just like it's a combination of all of these things. And um you know, the way that the way that I put it last night is essentially it feels to some of these guys like they work for a manager whose dad is the boss or mom is the boss and there is no accountability above them. And it's always on them when the Lakers fall short, it, it the blame falls on the players and never on the manager and uh, or in this case, the coach. And I think that's that's just not a very healthy way for all of this to exist. You 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 called it an ecosystem. The locker room is this is this living, breathing thing. It's a chemistry set that at any moment you can have a pipe burst, and and now everything kind of goes haywire. And um, you know, earlier this season, I kind of stepped on it a little bit with some of my phrasing as it pertained to. Uh, Austin, I don't think I stepped on it. I think it was kind of aggregated poorly, but regardless about Austin and Darwin and how, you know, uh, there are people still in the organization who are just like, what, what is going on there? And, and I think they, there are people who feel that way about Rui now, and there are people who feel that way about Vanderbilt now. And it goes back to what you talked about with Torian, where it's like, there has to be a promise. Otherwise, why are we relying on a lesser player here to the extent Mm -hmm. that we are? Yeah. And I think one thing that I, you know, I constantly forget is that just because so much of the same people exist from last year's team, like no NBA team is the same. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though Darvin had the experience with, you know, those core six 
last year and Max, um, the fact that they all came back doesn't mean that their relationship with Darwin stays the same. And that was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, I, I feel like I hear analysts say this a lot. We're just like, even if you have the same roster coming back from year to year, it's just not the same team. Like people are at different stages yeah. in their lives or different stages in their careers. They have different, you know, goals and just general being. And I, the idea of continuity makes more sense in theory than it does in practice because you're just never going to get those same players at the same exact stages of themselves from year to year. Yep. Um, so guys get paid. Yeah, guys exactly. Are hoping to get paid. Yeah. But it is strange to me that someone who I think one of his best attributes was how well he communicated with his team last year and how well he seemingly, you know, pulled the levers of the, the role players, like how he used Troy Brown, how he used like Malik Beasley and Austin Reeves and just everything in that roster last year, it doesn't make sense to me that that would just no longer be a skill set of Darwin. Like that's literally the reason why he was hired. It was not because we thought he was some grand X's and O's magician. Like that's not yeah. what the the thought process was when he came in. It was, he is the guy who can command a locker room, who will earn their respect. He's been in the league. He's played against LeBron, like, like 35% of NBA players have at this point. Um, and he will be able to like develop relationships with them. And I think that was the through line of last season, even as, you know, we suffered through the Patrick Beverly at the three and all of that nonsense for the first two thirds of the season. It was, Oh, like these guys are still listening to Darwin. Like the, the roster makes no sense, but at least there is that relationship, that communication. And I'm so confused as to how that just slipped away. Like how did Darwin decide, Oh, I'm, I'm untouchable. Like I don't have to interact with these guys anymore. Well, that's the part that Raj keeps asking about is how is it that this guy feels so comfortable? And mm. I mean, listen to the guy. I, I joked with Harrison um, either on the air or, or, or in, in DMs back and forth or whatever um, during the Lakers media day and how comfortable Darvin looked up there and how like he just had this this glow to him that was like second year head coach who feels comfortable glow, you know? And um, I, I do think that some of that went to his head and that is kind of how this goes, right? It doesn't usually when, when communication breaks off um, and you see it like this kind of volatile where we're like people, you could, you could find any kind, any number of clicks that you or uh, clips that you want to find, on Twitter nowadays of guys reacting and kind of rolling their eyes at Darwin when he's coaching them. Um, I have been told by people, you know, obviously who get to go to more Lakers games there um, that like you watch any timeout right now and it's never five guys on, you know, that he is talking to her about to go back into the game. It's like a couple guys and then somebody else is over there talking to somebody else or somebody is like one of those three guys that's there, but they're kind of like looking off into the distance as well. Um, you don't reach it being this visibly broken without kind of a foundational change from one of the parties. And I really think that with the amount of of trust and the amount of of confidence that he feels from Rob and from Jeannie, whatever the reasons behind those things might be, he has like legitimately kind of changed as a head coach. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, like this is a funny you know, kind of a stupid example, but you did, did you, um, did you watch D2, the mighty ducks D2 movie? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when like Gordon, Gordon Bombay goes from like, like lovable kind of like, like you switch know, back hair. And yeah. Like all those things, you know? Yeah. And, and they, they start calling him sellout and they start yeah. saying how he's like dating the, the, uh, the, 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 um, the Iceland the head coach someone, of the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like the like enemy right? or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> like it just it, it's a terrible and and dated um comparison but that's really kind of what's this what this kind of feels like from 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 like the way that it's been painted and and this guy who was like had a strong suit was his best at this thing has moved completely away from it and i think you know if we were 20 games ago you know and and, and before that it could have been resuscitated had he focused on that communication but like you, you saw yesterday when christian wood 
meant to quote tweet somebody. I think um, I'm in the minority. I actually believe he meant to quote tweet somebody. Well, no, he meant to quote tweet the Lakers, like the, the official lineup, Lakers yeah. account when they, yeah. But like they, but when, when, when you see that and when you see, you know, in the reporting that Shams and Jovan did for, for your employer, for the athletic, it was six sources were willing to come out and, and, and say those things. And by the way, those are the ones that were willing to be like, okay, but like anonymously, right? Um, that means that there were plenty of sources even beyond that who like were like, well, you seem like you have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so like when you have that large a contingent of people who were pissed off in your locker room or in your organization or close to your organization, that means that you have failed as a communicator to me. And mm-hmm. and I and and I think that's that's really kind of where the foundation to this Lakers season has has begun its erosion. And now we're at a point now where, you know, it's it's one of those glamorous mansions that you see off of PCH that's hanging on by a thread. Yeah, I think the the quotes that keep coming out after games where guys are just talking about how they don't know what they're doing on defense and um, they're – I think Austin has been the most charitable, honestly, which is weird considering I think it's he's funny, probably yeah. the one who's most pissed off at Darvin. Uh, just <laughs> – yeah, and yeah. even after that win against Golden State, it was so much of, yeah, we like our five. We know what this five can do. We have familiarity with this five. And you'd think a guy who was at all tuned into his players would be like, hey, let's let's try that lineup once, you know? <laughs> like, maybe right. start Vando today. <laughs> like, give Torian yeah. the night off. He's, he's in his 30s. I don't know how old he is. 28, maybe. Like, it's 82 games is a lot, you know? He's not going to yeah. get to 82. He's already he missed a game. He has started more games this season than he has started his entire career to this point. <laughs> I just keep thinking about to when the the Lakers signed Wes Matthews on the biannual a couple of years back, and yeah. uh, I I had assumed that they would have to offer him a pretty big role, you know, to take that contract because he was you know a max contract player, like you know two years before that. And Frank yeah. Vogel still had the audacity to bench him for Taylor Horton Tucker at portions of that season, and I don't <laughs> think that was the wrong move. I'm just saying, like, yeah, you can do these things as a head coach, right? <laughs> Yeah, Torian Prince is not going to badmouth the rest of the league saying Rob Palinka promised me a bigger role and now they're starting Jared yeah. Like People would think you're Eventually a they benched Drummond. to do that. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, so like, because remember they brought in Drummond mm-hmm. um, as a buyout candidate and the promise because there was that he was going to start, to yeah. start. You know, and uh, and, you know, he didn't like it, but he does kind of look back on that moment and, and he has talked about it and said like, yeah, that's kind of when I had to come to, that was my come to Jesus moment where I was like, all right, this is the kind of player I am now. I'm a, I'm a minimum type player, I guess. Um, and, and yeah, I just, the way that all this is, has played out is, is really fascinating. And, and um, you know, we're here in trade rumor season where, you know, Every day, it's some new update that is just the same update with different words uh, about what the Lakers are are thinking about doing. And, um, you know, so for those of you who keep asking, and I don't I don't I don't begrudge you for asking what's the update with the Lakers and what's the update with Murray? No update. They're still waiting for for the the Hawks to not demand Austin Reeves in the trade. Um, I will say, though, that and this is just speculation on my part. Uh, I will say though that this is the first day after that like LeBron hourglass tweet. This is the first day that I've thought it's possible <clears throat> that Austin gets traded for DeJounte Murray. Not that he actually gets traded for sure. him or you know anything like that. I haven't I haven't checked in on it or whatever. I don't think the Lakers stance has actually changed, but this is the first time where I'm like, oh, like LeBron's LeBron's like done done. Okay, <laughs> you know, and by the way. I, I like Austin. I really think that he's been used um, incorrectly all season this year, and I think he's a better player than he actually is. Um, but like, I, I do think the Lakers could probably come off of their stance on him just a little bit, maybe not specifically for Murray, but teams around the league are just like, yeah, you start a conversation and you mention Austin and they hang up the phone. Not literally, but but they're they're, you know, I don't think Rob is that kind of rude. But it is kind of like, yeah, they just they just move off of it. They say uh, Austin's not going to be moved, and unless you're going to trade one of your untouchables, we are not moving one of ours. Mm-hmm. I don't think Austin should necessarily be held in that regard. But but regardless, um, as we are in this and in, in this portion of the season, 
I I find it personally difficult to separate what the Lakers could potentially do from a head coach that has lost the locker room. And like, again, I I'm, I'm, I'm asking like from your vantage point, from what you have seen this year, um, you know, how would you handle the situation? Do you, do you risk this being a lost season and risk LeBron walking away for, for like, not just a replaceable head coach, but like what seems to be an outright bad one right now. Yeah. <clears throat> So I don't know how to judge Darvin Ham as a like a head coach in totality because, like I said, I thought his first year was pretty damn good, um, and I still think that should carry some weight. But mm-hmm. when you're on the LeBron James business, especially if he's 39 years old, I don't think fair is really the the apt word for why you make decisions. You make decisions because you're trying to optimize LeBron James, and if he's going to play harder against another under another head coach, like I think I'm at the point where yeah, why not? Like I'm sure yeah. Darvin is on a four year deal, right? Uh, I think mm-hmm. Frank Vogel, you're probably not paying anymore because if you had any more money on his deal, it's offset by Phoenix. So just suck it up. Like he's 39 years old and Anthony Davis is playing the best I've ever seen out of him. Yeah. So I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I, I really hate to do things this dramatic, but I think you just let it ride, you know, let Darwin go see what Phil Handy can do. Um, at the very least, LeBron just sort of does his, his player coach thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where, like, it is so ugly to watch the Laker games. Like, they just seem so disinterested. And it's a yeah. different kind of ugly than it was last year. Because, like, LeBron, again, I'm, I'm not saying this to diminish Russ as a person. He seemed to hate playing with Russ. But yeah, there was a, like, everything else, at least guys were, like, trying. Like, there were a lot of minimum guys who were trying. and yeah. And it was, like, all minimum guys plus those three, right? But... I don't feel like anybody's really trying that hard on this year's team. Like Anthony <laughs> Davis plays hard, right? Because that's yeah. just, that's his. He always is going to. He's always going to play hard, you know, even to the point where like he gets nicked up because he's trying too hard. Uh, but I just don't feel that same sort of collective responsibility from players on the team. Like I did last year. Like it was, it's just so frustrating to watch. And it's, I, I don't know how it went so badly all of a sudden. Like I, I'm a Kings fan too, the LA Kings, and they have lost 14 of their last 16 games. And it's just been a terrible month for the teams that I watch. <laughs> I cannot get over how Spring poorly things right around the corner. So quickly, <laughs> like the Kings yeah. were just boat racing to start the season, like beating Vegas, yeah. beating Vancouver. Like it was a wonderful start. And now, like, it's amazing how quickly things can change. But I do think you have to respond when your window is as small as 39-year-old LeBron James. Yeah, I that's that's the part that, like, even because I, I, I saw that Kevin O'Connor wrote the Ringers, like, annual, the Lakers and LeBron need to split column. Like, that happens, like, every year or whatever. I thought it was um, a good column. I think no, I <clears throat> I think every year that they write it, it they bring up valid points. Because like <laughs> look, you look at you look at you look at Rob Polinka and Jeannie Buss have had LeBron and AD on their team for you know, this is their fifth year together, yeah. right? So it's four and a half years, and their record is like barely above five hundred in the regular season. And now, like that's insane. In there somewhere also is the uh the title and the Western conference finals run. But like those things to me, make the regular season record all the more frustrating because that's what happens when you supply LeBron and AD a sensible environment in which to work, you know? And also, by the way, that uh, championship that happened, that was a lot of guys that were like pre Rob Polinka, you know, like mm-hmm. Alex Caruso, pre Rob Polinka. Right. Kyle Kuzma, pre Rob Polinka, KCP, if not like at the the exact same time, I think KCP is a Rob Polinka guy. Yeah, yeah, because but Polinka like they, came but, in in February of seventeen, and KCP signed that off season, so he's a Polinka guy. Yeah. So, but like there, there were there were there were parts of that team that like were not you know mm-hmm. were not his um, ideas or whatever. And, and, and think I wasn't a big fan of that team when it was originally assembled, but it worked out pretty well. <laughs> My favorite, like. 
it's so funny. Like we we are so like far removed from that team that I see yeah. those guys, whether it's KCP or Caruso or Kuz, mm-hmm. and I see them doing what they're doing around the league, and I'm just like, we gave up them <laughs> and stuff. It was it was it was it was, it was, it was like it wasn't like a straight swap. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, selling pieces for to get ready for a rebuild. No, it was retooling and we gave up those guys and stuff. I've sort of forgiven the Russell Westbrook trade at this point just because like LA stars, whatever. I can never get over the Caruso part of it. It's just money. No. Just money. Yeah. Um, but so I the 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 last kind of thing I wanted to talk to you about before we move on to um you mentioned like you made me sad with like your your favorite teams this month or whatever. It's, it's also, awesome. NECA, NECA, like it's gone. Oh, also. yeah, leaving the sparks, right? Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about we'll get a a, a sparks and WNBA update here in a second. But um, the last thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about is like I know a lot of the focus right now is on Darvin Ham. And rightfully so, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've charted every step along this path. It has not been a fun path to walk. No, um, doesn't seem like it. <laughs> but, no, no, my shoes are all frayed. I have like a freaking alligator chasing me. It's just not. It hasn't been a fun <clears throat> hike. Um, but I, I think the person who is somehow once again kind of sliding by under the radar when when a lot of the blame should be placed on this person. Is Rob Polinka? I don't know how we aren't like we aren't we aren't we aren't talking we aren't talking about the fact that he didn't sign a single two way player this this uh, last off season. Um, hasn't rung in his head coach to make him utilize the players who I thought were talented enough to be two way players. Um, hasn't worked apparently with the head coach to make sure that they are used more properly. Um, has might be on the verge of firing his third head coach in five years has overhauled roster because Luke Walton also. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, so Luke, Frank, and now it could be potentially him. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, at, at what point do we do we start, you know, blaming the 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 pawns on the, or, or the pieces on the chessboard when in reality the person setting the culture up top is is probably the thing where this where, where this thing keeps getting de, uh, derailed the most often. I mean, I'm not going to argue here. Like, it's, I don't think Rob Polinka is an above average GM. Uh, obviously, he yeah. gets credit for building the title team. I will always go to bat for the 2020 21 Lakers. I think mm-hmm. that team was tremendously fun to watch, just got hurt at the wrong time. Shouts to Marcus who just uh, retired, by the way. Marcus All, the only guy I can remember having a revenge game against two teams at the same time when the Lakers put him in the starting lineup against the Toronto Raptors because Andre Drummond was sick that night. It was just yes. just a tour de force for Marcus Hall. Really yeah. loved loved his Laker tenure. I'm sorry it didn't go better for him. Um, but the you know, Lakers mistreating this... Gasols, that is a a tried and true policy. <laughs> In fairness, Powell seems to have gotten over it. He's very loving towards the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we did enough Powell. good things for Powell's career. I think we did enough yeah. good things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've had this discussion offline where um you know, I think the the continuity thing is kind of a double-edged sword because on the one hand, yeah, the Lakers brought back, you know, a lot of the pieces of a team that made the Western Conference Finals. On the other hand, I think it was pretty clear that they weren't as good as the NBA champions and they needed to get better. Um, yeah. So when you're when you're Rob Palinka and you're spending the entire offseason saying like, yeah, we're just going to build on this team, like clearly we just need more time, don't you think it would be in your best interest to like tell your coach like, hey – Let's execute the party. Make sure line. that email like, goes like you yeah. cannot have that email bounce back to you. You can't. And like I don't, I don't entirely blame him for not signing any two way players this offseason because who was legitimately available in the Lakers price range? Like yeah. he tried to with Gabe Vincent. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the Heat culture thing, like it's just very hard for those guys to produce outside of Miami, unless you're Max Struess, I guess. Um, but like I think we would say that he did a good job getting Rui back on that number. You know, getting D'Lo back on that number, getting Austin back. Like I, I didn't have a problem with any of these. I mean, it's it's all like, did you would you rather have Gabe Vincent or financial flexibility, right? And I think in the moment it was reasonable to suggest that Gabe Vincent would be better, but obviously it has not worked out that way. So, I, I just think that when you're Palenka and your whole 
thesis was, yeah, we're going to improve upon our team with the benefits of time and continuity. You just have to make sure that you're actually doing it. And you can't just sit back and say like, yeah, we 100% support Darwin, even though he's apparently on an entirely different page than you are. Like, I don't get that. Yeah. And at a certain point, like the reason the Lakers don't have any of this flexibility is because you keep messing up, like trying to make up for the mistakes that you made previously, right? Like the reason yeah. the Lakers don't want to give up an extra first round pick to dump salaries because, well, they don't really have extra first round picks to dump because of salary, right? It's just the one. It's just the 2029 pick at this point, you know, until we get to the offseason. So, yeah, I I don't think Polinka has been like aces at his job since since he got it in 2017, right? Like even the summer that they signed LeBron, they, they created a team that didn't make the playoffs. Like that's obscene. <laughs> How do you do that? It's one thing yeah. for 39-year-old LeBron to be barreling towards a lottery season. It's another thing for 34-year-old LeBron to miss the playoffs. So I don't know. I I haven't thought that Rob Polinka was the right guy for this job in a very long time. There's no way Jeannie fires him though. Like I just, I can't imagine how she does it. Yeah. How do we, how do we extricate ourselves from the situation? I'm not sure. This is the part of, of the process in general with the Lakers that has driven me insane is, um, so you hire magic Johnson and you would think you would want to set him up with somebody with a ton of, of NBA experience to kind of like, walk him through some of the 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 more boring parts of the job that you do still have to fulfill in order to be good at what you're doing right instead she pairs him with Rob Polinka who has just as much NBA experience in this role as Magic does and and you can say well we have all of that in house already right with somebody like Bill Burka and um Bill Burka and uh, how old is Bill Burka at this point? That's a lot to put on his plate. He's like 96. That's that's not fair to Bill Burka. Yeah. You have, you have Kurt Rambis apparently who's, who's NBA experience is something that can be utilized. Right. Yeah. And, and all right. So you made that mistake once, Mm -hmm. right? Having somebody that inexperienced and not pairing that person with experience to learn on the job. How do you make that again with your head coach? How do you do that? Where you go from, all right, you go from Frank Vogel experience head coach who won you a championship, fire that guy, sabotage him with a really bad roster, fire him minutes after a season ends and kind of sort of embarrass him on his way out. Before that, you gave him an extension that wasn't really an extension. That's why they aren't paying his money right now. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, or, or after that, you bring in Darvin Ham where's the NBA head coaching experience on his staff? Yeah. At least with Frank, you had like uh Fisdale and Fisdale his, and um, Lionel Hollins, I think was there at mm-hmm. some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and Jason Kidd that was, was a good, you know, <clears throat> former head coach. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it was a good former head coach, but like obviously a players around coach. the league still play, like still ride for Jason yeah. Kidd. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and no, and on, on this staff, you don't have that. And I, I really think like when you talk about some of the communication breakdowns, an experienced head coach would have pulled Darwin aside and been like, hey, you're going to talk to them about like the different roles that you have them playing every night, right? Like you, you're, you're going to like, you're going to pull, you can open your door occasionally when like Austin Reeves is knocking on it, right? Like you can, you can't just like hide under your desk every time Christian Wood is like, hey man, like, um, <laughs> hello? Um, so, like, I, I just it, it, so as much as we talk about we, you know, we mentioned Rob Polinka, but I also think a lot of this blame falls back on Jeannie and mm-hmm. and the way that you know and, and when it comes to uh, when it comes to professional sports, a lot of times it's as simple as look at the owner. What's what's up with the owner? What are what are their what what's the process that goes into the decisions that they make? And that is going to have a tri- a, a trickle down effect on the rest of the organization. And I haven't seen Jeannie make a decision with good process that I have like respected yet. Right. It hasn't happened. There was no interview process with magic. There was no interview process to replace magic. There was, you know, and, and, and there was no interview process with Rob. And even if they fire Rob, who's to say they don't just like, all right, well, Kurt, you get your chance now, you know? And so like, this is, and this is why, like at the end of the day, um, there are people in the organization who are like, kind of biding their time hoping that 
Jesse and Joey get a shot at it because they see what Jeannie's process has been when she has her fingers at all involved in the um, in the minutia of the basketball stuff. They would kind of like to see her detach from any basketball activity whatsoever and mm-hmm. let Jesse and Joey start doing those things because they have um, they have utilized good process in running the the the, the G League Lakers, the South Bay Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's kind of where this is probably heading um, sooner than I think people realize. I don't think Jeannie would any uh, under any circumstances sell. I don't think uh, the bus family is getting ready to sell. But if things keep do keep like heading down this path, I do think eventually we're going to head. Um, we're going to start hearing more about Jesse and Joey and the role that they're playing. We've already that's already started. That started last summer. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that noise is going to keep getting louder and louder and louder. I mean, I hope you're right because mm-hmm. I think we have enough evidence to show that Jeannie's faith in Rob Polinka isn't exactly warranted. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would say so. Um, all right, let's move on though to the WNBA. My you other disappointing the... favorite team. <laughs> you host the Athletic Women's Basketball Show. Um, for the athletic, you do great work for the athletic. You also, you, Harrison, um, is no longer in, included in our group text anymore because you break news, I break news. He does not. Um, not. He did, he has not. Random ass he, blogger, Harrison Vegan. <laughs> yeah, freaking blog boy over there. Um, but yeah, I want to. I, I, so I have a few questions about about um, the WNBA, about the Sparks, and about uh, college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll start with the WNBA because the the um, the most pressing news is that um, Sabrina um, Ionescu, Ionescu, your name, Ionescu, um, is going to be competing against Steph in the All Star uh, our four All Star weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she's down to shoot from the the men's three point line. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily necessary, but whatever. I don't think so either. Um, yeah. But. Uh, I think that's a really, really important step here to like, you know, finally actually merge the WNBA and the NBA, right? Where, where like you have players who will support it. And I think it's great when, when NBA players really support it and get behind it and stuff like that. But that is one of the NBA's biggest stages. And Sabrina is one of the WNBA's biggest stars. And you could make an argument that Steph, other than LeBron, is the NBA's biggest star. They keep going back and forth in that respect. Mm-hmm. And putting putting her on that platform and giving her that opportunity or, or her earning that opportunity, I think is is really great, no matter the outcome of of whatever, you know, who won, who wins the thing or whatever. I actually would take, I would put a solid bet on Sabrina in that one, depending on the odds. But like, yeah, I, I think... I think it's a I think it's a really cool step that the that the NBA and the WNBA are taking it together. What was kind of the reaction that you saw from from your vantage point? So I am uh, just an NBA All Star diehard. I love it. I love all of the little minutia. I loved uh, just the little stupid events that they try out all the time. Like you know when they did that skills challenge with like three guys throwing the ball at three different targets a couple of years ago. Like I, I loved all of it. Um, yeah. I was a big fan of the NBA's shooting stars competition. I don't know if you remember that. It was when they had an NBA player, yeah. a retired player, and a WNBA player shooting from like yep. six different spots on the half court. And then they made it four spots, which put undue emphasis on the half court shot, which was just like, Chris Bosh, you can win this every single time because Chris Bosh shoots a better half court shot than anybody I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Long live Chris Bosh. Love him. Um, So I always loved that event because unlike when you put WME players in the celebrity game where there is a lose-lose proposition, either you show up randos who don't know how to play basketball or you look like you can't play basketball against randos who don't know how to play basketball because why would you try in a celebrity game? It's not cool to try in a celebrity game. Yeah. Um, I like the shooting stars because you're just, you're on equal playing field, right? Like you're just taking the same jump shots everybody else is. And so that's what I really like about this event is um, you know, marquee event on Saturday, right? I think the three-point contest is arguably outshined the dunk contest on a number of occasions in recent years. Yeah, and, guys actually do it. Right, right. The main guys actually do it, right? Like Dame Willard won last yeah. year. Stephen Curry has done it seven times. So I'm a big fan of putting them on the same stage. Uh, I do think there's going to be some like, oh, but Sabrina's not shooting from the same line and Sabrina's not using the same ball. It's not really the same thing. 
which is so stupid to me. Like, yes, women's hands are smaller than men's hands. They use a smaller ball. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I do wish that we could have gotten this during WNBA All-Star Weekend because mm. Sabrina's not in season, right? Like, Steph has been working out every day. Like, he's in peak form. I think, personally, I would just think that he's, like, better suited to be shooting 43-pointers off of a rack than Sabrina is in the middle of February. But... I still think it's very cool that they're doing this on the NBA's big showcase. Uh, the fact that Steph has obviously been trying to promote this since July, like when Sabrina had that ridiculous showing, I think. So 40 is the wrong number, but like there's 27 shots that they take and she made 25 of them, which is ridiculous. Um, so I think generally it's going to be very positive. I hope she does well because obviously like <laughs> there's a lot writing on this in terms of <laughs> she has to put up a good performance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, she's only done one three-point shootout in WNBA history, and like obviously that turned out very well. But like, here's a guy who's shot off a rack like seven times in front of this crowd. Like, I, I'm a little concerned about what that experience factor looks like. But you know, I have high hopes. I think the response has generally been like, "Oh, how fun!" Like we get to watch the best shooters against each other. Unpopular opinion. I don't think Sabrina is the best shooter in the WNBA, but like yeah, she definitely is the most marketable. That, like, so yeah. And she had the three-point shootout performance. Like the thing is, I mean, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I think it's just a good idea to have a player with her marketability, with her star power on that stage because people know who she is. Like guys in the NBA wear her shoes. You know, she's not an unknown. Yeah. And um, to have this opportunity on a big night, NBA Saturday, I think is really good for the league. Yeah, I. It's. I think that the 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 part that you mentioned about Steph you know, marketing this since July and being involved as involved with this and sounds like legitimately excited to do this. Yeah. Right? He wants to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, you, you mentioned Sabrina's marketability and in, in her shoes and all of that stuff. I think a lot of NBA guys like just really like her game, you know, mm -hmm. like she's, she, she's got that kind of game that translates to, um, NBA player love, you know, mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think it's just, it's just, you know, this is, this is going to do numbers. Like this yeah, is going I to, so. I, I bet you, like, I'm, I'm really curious. I know that it's kind of taboo to mention, uh, ratings for some reason as it pertains to the NBA, but I do think that that event is probably going to rate pretty damn high. Um, like even higher, I think than most normal, uh, all-star Saturdays or whatever, um, and that actually kind of brings me to the next little thing that I wanted to ask you about. We saw a an NBA game go head to head with a college. Uh, now it was a better matchup in the in the in the in the on the call the women's was college a good side. NBA game. Like weren't the Celtics involved or the Nuggets or something? I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was like a, it was like a marquee matchup, but it wasn't like former champion in the way that it Got was it. on the on the. Um, on that on that side, although if the Nuggets were, then it would have actually been. But yeah, I heat or am I mistaken that? It was it was during rivalry week, um, so yeah, it, it was, was probably a good. Yeah, yeah, and um, you had a higher number come back from the college women's game than the NBA game, and um, as somebody who has been saying here, like guys, the league isn't as healthy as they are telling us that it is. Like I I, I promise. Mark Cuban doesn't just sell his team and sell off a portion of his identity because, you know, it's a, it's a decision that he makes lightly. Um, and that was another kind of like, wow moment, not just from the standpoint of like, wow, the NBA got leapfrogged in that spot, but also another, like, you know, I, I feel like all of the progress that has been made with women's basketball has been like, painstakingly made where every single like step along the path you're like see yes see <laughs> you know so you had both of those things going on but like for like when you saw that news cross your cross your desk how how to how did you take that what's interesting is i feel like the pace of women's basketball growth has exponentially increased in the last two years um yeah it's it seems as though we're getting a new attendance record every week. We're looking at, you know, obviously a lot of this is the Caitlin Clark effect. You know, she sells out arenas all across the country. Um, a number of schools have set their attendance records in games where she has come to visit. 
But, yeah. you know, South Carolina is averaging more attendance than any team since 1998 Tennessee, which was one of the all-time great women's basketball teams. And, you know, like Ohio State just set an attendance record. Uh, Northern Iowa set an attendance record. Colorado, UCLA, USC, like all of these places around the country that aren't just being visited by Caitlin Clark are all setting attendance records. And I do think that those go hand in hand, right? Like people wanting to watch in person, people wanting to watch on TV because it's really embarrassing to broadcast a TV product when nobody's in the stands, right? Like nobody wants to watch that on television. It's just, just doesn't, not fun to watch. But um, after getting that national title game, which was almost 10 million, you know, watching that game, Iowa, LSU, it does seem like there's just been steady progress every week. And, you know, we started the season off with this marquee Iowa Virginia tech game on a Thursday, like against NFL and it did like 600 K. So when we look at just the growth from November until now, like every Thursday, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in those marquee games and to get to a point where LSU uh, South Carolina was about 1.6, I think just, just a little bit more than that NBA game. It doesn't really surprise me because I feel like we've seen the markers you know, the incremental attendance growth just happening over the last two years. Uh, I, I was surprised by the NBA number. That's not a lie. Like I didn't realize yeah. that we were in that consideration yet because like, I know NBA doesn't like talking about ratings. Like obviously college basketball, we love talking about ratings. <laughs> it's a very big deal right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that uh, the women are hitting these heights because I do think that there's something about college basketball that just people – like college sports, like fans intrinsically, you know, latch onto because there's something that you can root for your team and there's a certain continuity and that's lacking with like free agency and all of the divaness of professional sports. And I understand why people have just been wanting a college product to hold on to. And the fact that ESPN is so very committed to women's college basketball, I think is obviously a big factor in this. Um, I realize I should be commenting on the NBA part of this. Uh, I, you know, Aaron talks about this all the time. When Steph is playing, when LeBron's playing, that's all that matters for the NBA. And yeah. I'm really concerned about what that looks like when Steph and LeBron are no longer playing. Because yeah. like they have these Saturday NBA showcases. It's basically just Warriors, Lakers, or Warriors versus Lakers for six straight weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's... those are going to do numbers. But are any other games going to do numbers? Like, I, I really don't know. Like, Jason Tatum is the number two selling jersey in America. Uh, he plays for a team that is the odds-on favorite to win the title that has made, what, three multiple straight conference finals, was in the finals two years ago. Why can't he get eyes on television? That's so weird to me. Like, the NBA is doing something wrong. Well, I, I <laughs> big long checklist rolls out from, from what I'm holding. But no, I, I, think, I think you kind of touched on the excitement to that matchup. Right. It was the LSU South Carolina was a matchup. Um, and you watch that game and you hear the crowd and it's just like a legitimate pop, like, mm-hmm. you know, multiple times event. over the course of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you feel it like emanating from the court where these possessions actually matter. This game actually matters. And, um, and no, like both, you know, I, I both those teams are going to be playing in March Madness and, and it's not like it's, it, you know, just like in the NBA, you don't like live and die on, you don't have to live and die on every possession in the NBA, but those girls were, you know, and, and, and you watch the NFL and, and those guys do live and die on every possession over the course of an NFL, week, uh, uh, over an NFL game, college football too, you know, the problem that the NBA and MLB especially is really having is that like, you can enjoy. really feel it. You can really feel it coming off of the court or the field. Like, yeah, you know, we play 81 more of these things, whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and I, and, and I, you know, we just saw the NBA today announce that they're going to split up the uh, draft into two different days. You know what that what the rating is going to be on the second day. Oh my God. Um, Four minutes between second round picks is going to be hellacious. And, well, and they're gonna and they're gonna try to fill it with all like Woj is gonna be sitting there talking about all the potential deals that you're gonna be making with second round, you know, draft capital and stuff like that. And so, like that is going to wind up being like what gets sold or whatever. But but what the NBA keeps on doubling and tripling down on is quantity versus quality. Yeah. And 
what we keep on finding out is that actually quality of the events is actually way more important than the number of those events. And I know and they that, keep you know, proving that to themselves too, because yeah. playing is what's getting interest. And the playing is two, three games, right? Yeah. And the in season tournament, which was four games and then a knockout round, was getting interest. So you are proving that the um, scarcity of those games is what draws interest. And yet just adding more and more <laughs> nonsense. Going to keep on throwing stuff, which, <laughs> you know. Um, and I just, I, I thought that was a fascinating look into what drives eyeballs now. You know, that was a legitimate event. And um, you said that ESPN is very invested in 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 uh, women's college basketball or college basketball, whatever. They're pretty invested in the NBA too. You know, they're they're a big partner with the NBA too. Um, and and I think that you know that was a a pretty perfect kind of capsule of 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 where these sports are kind of heading and why they are heading there. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about, if it isn't too painful is about the sparks. And um, you tweeted out something the other day that made me laugh out loud. When I saw it, it was like <laughs> when Ramona Shelburne tweets <laughs> about the sparks, it is terrible news. Um, Every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so NECA is no longer on the sparks. Mm -hmm. um, it is like the carrot to all of this that maybe the Sparks will be in position to draft Caitlin Clark. Like, is that it? No. Like, so the uh, WNBA draft great. lottery already happened. Uh, they did not get the number one pick, and that will be going to Indiana. Uh, so Caitlin Clark will most likely be going to Indiana. The Sparks okay. did get the number two pick, so I do think that they can get a legitimate uh, franchise-altering yeah. player at number two. Uh, that could be a front court player from Stanford, actually, which is a nice little segue from Neko Gumake departing from the Sparks. But I mean, really, this all goes back to Derek Fisher and the absolute uh, just fire that he lit across the Sparks franchise over four years that resulted in Candace Parker leaving, Chelsea Gray leaving, um, you know, this organization becoming a laughing stock among the rest of the league because he, like his counterparts on the Lakers, believed in a slimmed down front office where very few people had accountability. Um, mm hmm. And it was that it was just so him. great. Yeah, really. You, you got to love when there's not enough people doing the work. Um, but yeah, uh, NECA was like the last vestige of the 2016 team that won the WNBA title. And I think it's good for her. You know, personally, she's been on a lottery team the last three years and she's turning 34. Like this is a time where you've you've proven what you need to in Los Angeles. You're going to be getting your jersey retired here. You want a title. You want an MVP. Um find a better winning winning situation now it's not happening in LA this upcoming season like the free agency class is just not good enough for the Sparks yeah. to turn into a contender immediately um so I think you know obviously if you're the Sparks you don't want to lose your franchise icon that's not a good thing uh you'd hope that she would play out the rest of her career in purple and gold but it gives them a little bit more flexibility to really commit to rebuilding which they've kind of just been like dipping their toes into the last couple of years and like it's it's hard to just rip the bandaid off, but NECA kind of did it for them. And by NECA leaving, now you no longer have to give a roster spot to her sister, Janae, who God bless her, just has not been healthy enough to be on the court the last four years mm -hmm. in LA. Uh, so, you know, you get a little more flexibility there, a little more financial flexibility, presuming you draft Cameron Brink from Stanford. Like she can immediately step into a starting spot. If NECA's not there, uh, it kind of allows you to take on some picks for, you know, dead money, like all of the stuff that rebuilding teams are supposed to do, but it's harder to justify when you're employing an all WNBA player in Neko Gumake. So as much as I hate it, that like she's not going to be a spark forever, I understand the logic on her side. And I do think that it opens up some more possibilities for the Sparks who were not going to be good this year. And they're playing in Long Beach for the first five games of the season instead of Stable Center because of some renovation nonsense. Uh, <laughs> I am not going to be going to those games in Long Beach. I don't I don't support going to Long Beach, but yeah. hopefully this is just a chapter we can end quickly and get on to better things next year. But we are going to be in a spot like we were last year, right? Where, or the last couple of years where Candace mm -hmm. Parker is lighting the world on fire still for Chicago or something like yeah, that. You know, it's, it's great that Candace Chicago. Parker and Chelsea Gray have won a combined three champion, four championships <laughs> since they left <laughs> Los Angeles. Really, it's not that they weren't capable of doing it, you know. So, good for that. So they so but they had that they had that big three then, right? Of NECA, Candace, and Chelsea. And mm -hmm. those three, you know, legends yes. leave 
it, did they get draft capital to like to like all in, free agents. In return for all free agents yeah <laughs> i had the assistant gm of the sparks tell me that the best contract signed in the WNBA in the summer of 2020 was chelsea gray's contract because can you believe we got a point guard of her talent for less than the max i was like you signed her for one year she already took meetings with Vegas this offseason. She's gone. Like, this is just a, <laughs> I have to fill out the terms of my restricted free agency. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, they all left for nothing. It's, it's wonderful, really. Um, Candace went to Chicago, won a title there. Chelsea went to Vegas. She won a title there. Then they combined in Vegas, won a title last year. NECA goes to Vegas. Um, I, I can't. I just can't. <laughs> well, um, this has been, uh, I would say, fun. Sure. Uh, we should have ended on college mm-hmm. basketball. It's a much more optimistic <laughs> thing to talk about. We can end on the Dodgers. We could talk about the Dodgers for like a, a second. <sighs> Just think of Dodgers. like spring training. They're having a Matt Kemp bobblehead night. I'm very excited. Going to try to be in attendance for I, that one. I was, I was so thrilled with the way that him going back to the Dodgers worked out. Like that he that looked good again and, yeah. and all that stuff. That, yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. Um, you are one of my favorites, Sabrina. Thank you very much mm-hmm. for hopping on um and 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 thank you for your internet uh hanging on for the entirety of the conversation that was that's also an important aspect last time it was not just my internet it was a whole situation (laughs) okay all right well thank you to your power for 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 hanging on tight there um again you can check out her work at the athletic you got to check out her show the athletic athletic women's basketball show um and and follow her on twitter at sabrina jm where she is legitimately breaking news that was like that was like a really cool proud moment that that i got to got to watch from our vantage point here and and uh and 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 keep doing that great work there sabrina thank you very much yeah thanks anthony